When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and this is a Zoom call. We're headed out to uh, Nashville to talk to Lee Gallagher. Lee, how you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, uh, man, just to get things started, tell me a little bit about where you're from. Uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, and then I moved out to San Francisco about 15 years ago. And then I just came out here about a year ago kind of to be closer to I got a bunch of family in Tennessee so and closer to Cincinnati so you know right on well man uh I guess uh we found each other through uh Erica Winterstrom uh and yeah. she's from the uh Cincinnati area how'd y'all meet she was kind of just blowing everybody's mind in Cincinnati um she started doing open mics and just really just kicked everybody's ass and then she got signed to fat possum which is down there right Mm -hmm. it is oxford yeah and um just blew it up we actually became more friends because she would tour through san francisco i didn't really know her in cincinnati that well so then tied her in san francisco and now she comes to nashville all the time and yeah yeah i just uh i wrote her last night i was inviting her to come uh come and play uh porch fest in april it's a it's a music festival i do here in columbus and uh she's i would but i think i'm playing a festival in mexico i mean she is just all over the place oh that's good that's what they're doing that a lot now right like the cruises and the on the beach festivals and all that yeah it's all coming back that's right (laughs) well man uh tell me a little bit about cincinnati man like what was you into when you was growing up um rock and roll kind of just hit me like when i when i started to hear led zeppelin and bands like that it's just kind of like they used to have on the radio they used to get the i don't know if they still do that nowadays but get the lead out at 10 o'clock every night (laughs) so that's when you get in like uh my friend had a jeep and every night we go over there and roll up a joint and drive around uh and listen to get the let out and then uh it's weird i like i moved to my parents moved me to like the suburbs of cincinnati and i um they wanted me to be social so i like i joined the swim team <laughs> and i was on that and there happened to be two dudes that had a band like the only band in the high school was these guys and so I just went over and I was, I said I could play the piano. We had a piano in my house, but I couldn't play the piano. I said I could, so I could just be in the room with these dudes. And then um, 
I kind of just alluded to their singer sucking. <laughs> and so they're like, well, if you think you can do better. And so I did. And then they kicked him out and boom, battle of the bands. We won the battle of the bands out of 500 bands in Cincinnati and all that. It's funny. The guys from, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, what's that band? The national. Yeah. Um, the, the brothers were from Cincinnati. The Desert oh, okay. brothers. And we were in a battle of bands with those guys. We, we beat them too. <laughs> they were in a band called Equinox. Really a Grateful Dead oriented band. And it's funny, that dude's now he's riding with Taylor Swift and Yeah. Yeah. So uh what would lead you out to San Francisco? Would that be in the pursuit of music? Yeah, it's kind of just to get out and um I just got married around that time. And so we moved out to San Francisco and it was to me just like a mythical place. And um, cause I love like that whole scene of the Grateful Dead and, you know, Quicksilver, all that stuff. And so we went, went out there and just started playing. I was going out to the desert a lot too, driving down to Joshua Tree and I didn't have a band. I didn't know anybody. So I started um, recording myself with a little A track. And I actually went down and met these people in Joshua Tree. And that was kind of like my first solo thing was these people down there. It was Victoria Williams, who I was a great fan of. She was married to Mark Olson at the time. He was in the Jayhawks. Love that band. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the deal. I started doing that. And then I met a guy who's actually, I was working in a restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf and this guy was playing a, was a drummer and a piano player and they were out there, you know, playing for tips. And this guy had a, like a little mini piano, like an acoustic piano. And I was like, well, this takes, ball. you know, that's a lot of work, <laughs> all that thing around. But I went up and uh, I just said like, Hey, you know, if y'all want to play, here's my email. And then I hooked up with them. And then we started really getting a lot of traction in San Francisco. We played with, uh, got to play with Leon Russell. Um, wow. A bunch of cool shit happened in San Francisco. Yeah. It was a good time to be there. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I've heard a lot of stories about Joshua Tree, specifically about those trees. They say they move. How much time did you spend down there? Did you ever, uh, did you ever experience some spooky tree movement? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. It's, uh, well, they do have lots of, there's uh, what, things called the jumping choyas too they, they yeah. say that, uh, but yeah we would go down there and stay in um the 29 palms Inn, which is in 29 palms which is the by the air base there's a i think it's the largest military base in the united states is out there and at the time they were using it a lot because it's all it looks like the middle east out there you know it looks like Af so if you're training for like afghanistan or whatever it's like but that also adds to crazy shit in the skies weird stuff happening mm -hmm. i've had friends like uh sitting out on their porch at four in the morning and all of a sudden they see like these trucks going down the road with people with rifles pointing it out like <laughs> like weird oh. shit but yeah the park is cool i mean have you ever been there no i haven't man i've had some uh friends of mine they tour the country in a hearse they're called the stiff tones oh. and uh so i've depending on what time of the year, they always make camp out in Joshua tree, uh, usually around the winter time. And, uh, you know, they've told me several stories. It's like, man, you got to come out there and record with us and just meet everybody, man. It's, it's just, it's awesome out there. 
And uh, so, yeah, the uh, what's this? Uh, the Rancho de la Luna is really mm. close. So we have a little cabin out there that like segues into this is we would stay in this place. This dude from Ohio owned this place and I would stay. This is like before Airbnb and it was like $80. And when I was recording down there, we would stay there anyway. That's right by the Rancho de la Luna owned by um, Dave Ketching and the guys from Queens of Stone Age, all the Iggy Pops recorded there. A uh, really cool place. But yeah, it's funny that your friends have a hearse because that's, you know, the whole Graham thing is they got a hearse and went out there. That guy's yeah. around too, the Mangler. Um, what's that guy's name? I can't remember his name. They call him the Mangler. The guy who actually, Graham's friend who took his body to, back then that was a monument, um, not a national park. And so they took it into the park and burned his body. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, I'm not real sure, like, how they got moving with the hearse. I don't know if it was because of that story, but uh, we met through an NPR Tiny Desk concert contest and uh, linked up and, like, did a podcast just like this. And uh, next thing, they were out of the uh, Chicago area. They were on the south side of Chicago. And next thing I know, they had come across this hearse and uh, they was like, hey, uh, we're coming down through Athens. And then we were going to swing over uh, through Alabama. And I was just outside of uh, Birmingham and Tuscaloosa at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they was like, man, if it's cool, we'd like to come by. And um, I was like, yeah, swing by. And at that, this would be the first uh, festival that I threw. I threw it at my house there. I invited uh, several bands from the area to come out. And we just met in the middle of nowhere at my house and we threw a music festival. <laughs> All right on. That sounds like uh, the stories of Mud Crutch, like Tom Petty's early band out in Florida. Yeah, down in Gainesville. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. Um, so, uh, go ahead. Well, I just heard a story. I listened to this thing, um, this podcast. Do you know O'Teal? I don't. Uh, O'Teal Burbage. So he played with the Almond Brothers and he played with the Dead. Um he has a podcast and he was talking to Derek trucks and Susan Tedeschi and his Derek trucks. His dad is butch trucks, the drummer's uh, brother. Mm-hmm. And he would do these big kind of hippie commune parties out in uh, outside of St. Augustine. And he said he didn't know it, but at the time I think it was the almond brothers were opening for Tom Petty and Tom Petty pulled Derek trucks aside and he's like, Hey man, I've never met Greg. Could you introduce me? <laughs> and Derek Trucks is like, what? <laughs> so he takes him back to meet Greg Allman because, you know, down there, well, I'm sure the whole Georgia and all that, like they were like the shit and everybody had to sound like the Allman brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, but I can see that down there. Well, man, just like uh, going back to your battle of the bands and then moving it out to San Francisco and recording like, um, like those early days of music. Uh, and you said that you were getting a lead out. Would that be, uh, would that be your sound? Would uh, would you be like uh, true rock and roll? Uh, yeah. Well, around that time, um, we were all into yeah. It was kind of like a southern rock. The Black Crows were big to us. Like we just were kind of like wow. Like kind of that whole. I guess it would be energy or um attitude um that really hit all those guys like those guys i met in high school they were like he loved 
Dickie Betts. He and so they would play like the, we they would play Almond Brother song. I kind of got annoyed with that. They love Jimi Hendrix, all that stuff too. And I always thought like Jimi Hendrix. I didn't really like singing his songs because his songs are kind of strange to sing. Um, yeah. But then we started writing, and then I kind of like that's when I taught myself how to play guitar and kind of do my own thing. I always kind of like. I don't know, Neil Young, all that stuff. I like how Neil can kind of do acoustic and then do crazy horse and kind of float around. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of like what I do, man. Like uh, I host the open mic here in town and like, depending on what kind of night it is, it starts out like singer song, singer songwriter, just acoustic guitars. And then as the night progresses, I mean, the electric guitars come out or sometimes we'll have uh, uh, fiddles and banjos come out and it kind of turns bluegrass. It's, you, you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be on stage playing together. Yeah, and um, it's a it's a it's a great thing. I mean, probably have experienced a lot of that since you've been in Nashville. Oh, this is Music City. It's kind of crazy. Like you walk around and you're like, everybody's got a guitar. You can see in their house, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's what's cool. Definitely about being in Nashville is I'm getting the sun on me. Um, it's just yeah, everybody can play their asses off. Yeah, I used to uh, when I when I would go up there on the way uh, on the way out, I would always go to the uh, the pawn shops. And man, you know you don't know what kind of music equipment's coming in there because uh, somebody just sold whatever they had left just to go back home because they you know they're leaving with a broken dream. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah there is a lot of that's the other that's the flip side to nashville there's a lot of people that kind of sound the same you know what i mean because they're trying to be in the machine you know and there is that whole thing too yeah. uh leads me um man so we're uh we're kind of celebrating uh your new release you uh tell us a little bit about the new record so the one before this one um i had kind of split up with some of the guys in san francisco and i me and the drummer i mean me and the keyboard player and the bass player went down to la and there's this guy jason soda who owns a studio called palomino sound and um he was in a band called gospel beach with some of the guys from beachwood sparks i don't know if you remember that band uh Hal and Rain. He also plays with Hal and Rain right now. Um, a great, okay. kind of, but um, anyway, he kind of su- out of the blue he suggested like, "Why don't you come down here and record?" And I was like, "Well, what about using some LA guys?" And he's like, "Let's do it." And so we went down there and recorded that last one there, and then it was set to come out, and then uh, pandemic, and so we all kind of waited. Everybody did like, I'm not putting my shit out yet. And then like, everybody's like, this is going to be forever. So everybody just flooded the, with the record. So we put it out in 2020 and, you know, contour anything. So then um, we decided to just go, well, I decided to just go, I called him and like, just go back in, in the fall of 2020 and just kind of mess around and keep moving and keep recording. But that record was, it was weird. We couldn't have a lot of people in. We were kind of sketched out about being in there ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we, it was before vaccines and all that, but we, we started just to, I just brought songs in that weren't finished. Um, Lyrics weren't done. And we just kind of went for it. And then, um, so it's got a very like a live feel to it. Um, 
Scarlett Rivera came by, which is fucking, like blew my mind. Uh, he had just met her and um, it, she lives in LA. I didn't know that. And uh, he said, we should send Scarlett some tunes to see if, you know, and then she liked it and she said she would come by. And I was like, actually, Ooh. I'm going to share that on Instagram soon. I have like, I was kind of, I didn't want to freak her out by holding a phone in her face when she was trying to do a track, but I, I did like record it when she first started playing. And it was kind of like, because I had just seen that that Rolling Thunder um, Scorsese thing, the documentary about Rolling Thunder Review. It just came out kind of right before that. And then she was in the room. It was a trip. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was, man. Yeah. Oh, and just to go back to like the moving around that you've done, when I think about Ohio, man, I think like, you know, Midwestern, I'm thinking like Hawthorne Heights, especially in the early 2000s with all. That's what kind of what Ohio sounded like. Uh, did your did your early band kind of fall into that? I guess kind of emo, like taking back Sunday sound. Ever? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've always been kind of. Well, I've always been kind of a like one foot in the seventies, like all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's just. Yeah, I've I learned early on to really just follow what's in my i don't know what it, it would be my my soul my heart whatever i think sounds good you know and yeah it wasn't emo music for some reason i don't know why but i loved i used to like i got to meet catfish so bootsy collins lives in cincinnati and at the time there was a band um of, there's lots of funk that's what i love about cincinnati it, it's weird it's almost geographical like since it's on a river there's lots of different shit happening. And King Records was founded there. They, James Brown, like they actually, I think they just, uh, King is going to be on, um, they're going to reopen it and make it a museum. Kind of like um, chess in Chicago. Okay. Actually, I, I, I had a good story about when you said that your friends are from the South side of Chicago. I actually, when I was in Chicago, side note, when I was in Chicago, there, we used to go up in Cincinnati. A lot of people would skip over Cincinnati. And so you go up to Chicago to see, music and we were driving there and it was too expensive to stay so we drive five hours up there and then drive just as soon as the show's done drive back you know <laughs> yeah but uh we i was there one time i was like you know what i've never been to chess i'm gonna go and like i got on their website and they're like oh yeah come on man and so they're like 10 bucks cash i'm like so i go go there south side chicago michigan avenue nobody's in there and they're like i give them the 10 bucks and they're like, just go on upstairs and uh, <clears throat> we're gonna, you're going to watch a video. And they pull out like an old school, like old school elementary VHS tape thing that's on wheels with a TV. <laughs> and they, and they uh, push play and they're like folding chairs. And I'm like in there by myself. And this room is where Helen Wolf recorded. All this, this stuff went down. And I'm there by mm -hmm. myself. And then this woman comes up. And she gave me a, a tour and it's just me. It's usually, I guess it would be a group if there was people there, but it was just me. And it was Willie Dixon's daughter. Oh, cool. And he, she took me around. The coolest thing was where the, the mixing board was at chess behind it. There was these two pipes in the floor and she's like, you see these two pipes, this is the chess sound. They would put the microphones on the cables and lower them through these, pipes down to the second floor. and that's this reverb weird sound that the, the all those old groovy records oh, got yeah it's from that 
and uh you know willie dixon's bass was there i asked about because that was the major lawsuit with zeppelin as they uh got sued by the willie dixon estate mm-hmm. i mean kind of rightly so at least lyrically uh rightly so but she i was like so what happened with that and she's like you think we wouldn't have, we would have an elevator because they sell stairs and stuff like you have to go it's like we would have an elevator here and blah 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 if we would want all that but uh yeah that was my chess story but anyway back to cincinnati king bootsy i got to meet catfish collins bootsy's brother who played with james brown like that was the whole thing i think james brown was in georgia when he called he fired his band like right before they went on stage and called (laughs) bootsy and catfish and those guys like get out here and this just went right on i think the story is they walked past the band as they got fired and get right on (laughs) yeah major replacements (laughs) yeah but so that influence was there um dayton ohio well there was at one point they were calling um cincinnati was going to be the next seattle grunge music and all that stuff was like it was going to hop off um dayton ohio had bands like and these are 90s like the breeders guided by voices um that's where erica erica's from dayton yeah she grew up listening to all that shit too but she would come i imagine a lot of people dayton's like an hour outside of cincinnati but it's like i think they all like the cincinnati Bengals and the reds you know they're kind of a, a satellite of cincinnati but yeah that was the scene <laughs> but no email for me yeah yeah cool uh i mean just while i was thinking about like you said you know you were coming down uh, to L- la to record and like when i think about la like LA musicians do have a particular sound, especially like even from San Francisco to LA, there's a big difference to me. You can, you can almost like immediately point it out and I Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't really like define it, but I know it when I hear it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like that. I would call it the Canyony. A lot of the singer songwriters, the Eagle, you know? uh, Yeah, I get it. And yeah, that's funny because I'm just reading a book, uh, a Leon Russell biography, and he was the king in L.A. at the time. Like he was part of the Wrecking Crew. He played on all those records. And at one point, Leon was, and I, and it was weird because I played with him. I didn't. Re- I was too scared to meet him. I, I hung out with his um, bus driver. He was a good. He's like a, he became a friend of mine, Mikey. He kind of looks like Leon, a big biker dude, he's scary, but he's like like a, a teddy bear. But yeah. uh, Leon, when he first started to turn, like it, they had all those Oklahoma people there. JJ Kale was there living in Leon's house. Um, just a, a real hippie. He called it what the hippie commune bonafide. Like that was the, the deal. But uh, yeah, Rita Coolidge, all those bands that would, it was like Delaney and Bonnie, they turned into uh the band you remember at a point in time when everybody was like like clapton wanted to be in the band george harrison wanted to be in the band and go to woodstock and hang out with them just to get that vibe people yeah. started to do that with delaney and bonnie um their first record like just blew it like i think clapton took the whole band like their first clapton's first record solo record which i love like like um blues power and all this that's leon russell and all those dudes playing oh on. yeah so that's like another LA vibe to me is all those, it's all the displaced people. That's the thing that when I, when you move to California, 
it's kind of weird to meet people who like, usually if people are from LA or they never leave any, they, they're kind of like, why would I go anywhere? <laughs> you know? Yeah. From Cincinnati, you're like, it was a spiritual thing to even walk to like see the ocean. Like if you're like, go, you're like oh, look, look at the ocean. But there, they're just like, why would I ever go? Like I can go to the mountains right here and the ocean's right here and the desert's here. And you know, but yeah, I've got everything I need. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. It's, and, and just go to back to uh, the river just for a second, man. It's uh like here in Mississippi and, it, it was it's kind of crazy like looking at the history of like the blues and american music because it came up the mississippi you know just from uh the delta of the hill country here with uh if you want to say robert johnson or uh whomever else that may come to mind and next thing you know it came up the river it's in chicago it's in cincinnati and then like just really the birthplace of like you, you had the chicago blues scene then and and oh, yeah. uh even even the Cincinnati and I'm like, yeah, I'm in the stories that you were telling about, uh, uh, chess. I was like, yeah, I've heard some of these stories being told from the old blues cats from down here. Like when they oh. got to go up there. Yeah. <laughs> are you, have you met any of those guys? They, like, have you been to like, are there still like, I haven't, I need to, since I live in Nashville and I need to go down, I don't want to be like, I'm a bit, I'm big on seeing, uh, going to graves. Like, uh, Victoria has been to Lead Belly's grave. She's from Louisiana. So she used to go and like hang out at Lead Belly's grave. Um, mm-hmm. Or the crossroads, like is the cr- actual crossroads. There's actually like a place, right? It was supposed to be the crossroads. That's right. Yeah. And Crossdale? so, uh, yeah. Uh, but you be careful and you get to talking to locals and they'll, they'll point you to the actual crossroad where the uh, Mississippi has blues markers, uh, just signs along, along the highway that kind of, tell you the history and this is where so-and-so happened or this is where big john hurt was from you know whatever else but uh they're never accurate on their location uh Uh usually it's in the vicinity but if you like you want to get to that that piece of earth where it happened uh you'll have to talk to somebody local to kind of get you right on the money uh but if you if you want to meet a blues legend man you got to get down to uh bentonia uh mississippi uh jimmy duck holmes at the blue front cafe uh he's one of the last living of guys from that era and he plays the bentonia style blues which is um it's bentonia is on the south side of the delta but uh the bentonia style is just slightly different than delta style blues uh and it's it's all in the uh it's in the thumb uh, there was a difference in the way that the bass was done, and uh, Jimmy is just a master, and he's uh, he'll he'll give you a blues lesson right there on the spot. Well, how uh, old is he, dude? He's uh, he's in his eighties. Wow. Yeah, and so I mean, two times a year you have uh, the Blue uh, Front Cafe uh, Music Festival, and then you'll have the uh, anniversary festival where they celebrate. Uh, I think this year was. Um, uh the 72nd year of the the blue front cafe and his parents founded that place and when it opened it was like a town hall in bentonia it's not a big town this is where people would go to get the news or uh they would go to get a pound of flour and also at night it would be a juke joint to where the blues guys would meet and like a a henry stuckey who founded uh the bentonia style that's that's where he would teach jimmy how to play it so I mean, like living and breathing that air, uh, there's just something about Mississippi, man. Yeah. 
Shit, man. Well, I got to get down there. Yeah, come on. I want detailed notes <laughs> when, we get, when we get off this. <laughs> so yeah. I can have a little roadmap for sure. But yeah. Uh, and when you definitely go to Clark's sale of uh, check out the shack up in while you're there. And um, you'll, you'll meet some guys at the shack up in and they can kind of point you around town and get you to where you want to some of the sites you want to see. Cool. Yeah. That I saw when I moved to San Francisco, that guy, um, T model Ford. Yeah. He, one, he played and he was, had to be 90 or, and he was sitting down and he was, he was drinking Jack Daniels out of the bottle. And I was like, that's not the and it was great. I love all that shit that was coming out of, I think that's how fat possum started. So like they had the, like Arl Burnside and some of those records just kick ass because it has that it was like john spencer blues explosion like it's like kind of a rock vibe but you that i would put those on at parties all the time like you put on a uh, t-model ford or rl burnside or some shit and crank that up it's yeah. like boom you ever listen to rl's uh grandson cedric yes yeah he's great yeah and yeah. uh man of uh, uh guy wasn't a band with uh cedric used to drum for him like cedric's not only a talented guitar player. He's also a phenomenal drummer. He used to drum for his grandfather. Oh, I thought, yeah. oh, really? Yeah, but uh, man, it's like that whole Fat Possum thing. There's a the Netflix documentary. It was on uh, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, it's free on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. Um, but it's about Fat Possum and RL and uh, all the all those old blues cats that were recorded, and you kind of see both sides of the coin. Like uh, a lot of the people in the black community felt like uh, that white guy, Fat Possum, was taking advantage of him. And and then you hear the founder of Fat Possum. He was like, if I didn't do this, nobody would have ever known him. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah. And then like to fa- fla- uh, flash forward, uh, the Black Keys would uh, record there. Uh, Erica and the Heartless Bastards would. And so mm-hmm. like. Yeah, uh, Fat Possum did record these blues guys. Were they paid the way they should have been? I, can, I that's that's not for me to say. Uh, that's not my problem. Uh, I'm just glad it exists because I mean, like you said, I I enjoy putting that on for people, and it it'll blow their hair back. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, Dan Arbach's kind of doing. I don't know him, but he's been kind of doing that with his own label. I think here, like there's one easy. Deal- uh, this episode of Porch Talk is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Caldera Lab. If you go to calderalab.com slash porch uh, at checkout, you can use promo code porch and save 20% off your total purchase order. A little bit about Caldera Lab. It was clinically tested to work on dry, normal, and oily skin. Nine out of ten men who tried this product continue to do so, and they could tell a difference uh, with their skin uh, there's an improvement in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles elasticity dark spots skin tone and more it really helped me out with the crow's feet and the wrinkles on my forehead i've been using the good for about a week now and they also uh, sent me the clean slate icon and the base layer and uh, i've never really been into skincare products I was excited to give Caldera Lab a shot, and I'm glad I did. And so as you get a little bit older like myself, um, maybe you would like to give these skincare products a try for your face. And 
maybe you'll tell a difference just like I am. Uh, I'm 32, but I'm currently looking about 23. So uh, look out for me. Once again, if you go to calderalab.com slash porch, use promo code porch, and you'll save 20% off of your purchase order. Back to the show. Yeah, we were at this party, and uh, there was Americana Fest was recently, and they have this one dude. I can't remember his name. I think he might be blind. Tall, skinny dude, uh, cowboy hat. Seems like an old blues, like old soul singer blues guy. I can't I don't know who you're talking about. Let me pull it up real quick. But yeah, he was just on. He just did like CBS. He did some kind of national stuff, but it's the same kind of vibe. They're trying to keep that music alive. Oh yeah, I mean Dan Arbok comes down to the Blue Front Cafe. They recorded a uh, uh, Easy Eye Sound put out uh, Jimmy's latest record. So I mean you're absolutely right. Uh, Those are Ohio boys. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh robert finley okay yep that's the guy and uh easy eye man uh same with fat possum like there is a particular sound uh that comes out of uh easy eye like uh you have uh marcus king he's great Uh um and then uh my buddy early james uh robert finley uh man jimmy duck holmes but there's something about the way that dan and I know he uses the same studio guys. Like it wouldn't matter if Lee, you were invited to play at Easy Eye. Like you wouldn't be able to bring your band in. You have to play with his studio band. And I, cause like every Easy Eye record kind of has the same kind of feeling to it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's like uh, muscle. I, yeah, yeah, just like fame. He's probably doing that. Yeah, definitely doing that on purpose. I'm sure. Like okay, mm-hmm. here's this the the warm tones or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But Good yes, time, yeah, uh, yeah, Dan's the man. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they leave Jimmy uh, music equipment down there at the Blue Front all the time. And so, like last time, I was playing with some old Black Keys uh, stacks. Uh, we were running sound for the festival. And I was like, man, I was this close <laughs> to uh, meeting Dan. He was he was just there like the day before, and I was like, man, I've been wanting to have a word with that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about yeah, it's funny like. I remember them. Let's talk about bands that you see. Same with the White Stripes. I used to see them when nobody, like nobody was there. I, I remember being in Cleveland one time and the Black Keys, or, you know, the Black Keys were paying nobody there. Ten people. Same with like, that's Erica's story. She was in Akron, I think, or something and playing for nobody. And Patrick Carney's in there. <laughs> yeah. And then that, you know. It's one of those things like, what if that never, I'm sure that she would be successful no matter what, but it was like one of those things like, what if that night didn't happen? You know, where would I be now? Like, what happened? Yeah. That's funny that you talk about that. Yeah. That you have to uh, get with the locals to find that. I remember I was in England and well, it's the same thing. First of all, the Cavern Club where the Beatles play, that's not the mm-hmm. real one. Like the one that you go see, everybody's like, that's not the real one. <laughs> You're like, what? Right. Uh, and like one of my good stories was we went to because I'm such a when I'm at certain places I had to stop it like we stayed I didn't like my wife is just very like she does shit I would not do like we just we got in a plane we didn't have any reservations for anything (laughs) like I'm like we rented a car I probably wouldn't even done that and so we fly into London we rent a car and it's pouring down rain Uh, I go out of Heathrow airport and I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. 
and we're driving around. We find a place to stay, and it's right next to Hyde Park. And the only thing I knew about Hyde Park in my mind was that when they had the Rolling Stones played and they released a bunch of butter, Brian Jones uh, had just died and they released a bunch of butterflies in the sky. And that was uh, Hyde Park. And it was right next. I was like, oh, okay. But then we went to Stonehenge and then we drove through Wales. And when I'm thinking of Wales, I think of uh, Led Zeppelin three when they, Jimmy and Robert are in this cottage called Brunyar. And so in my mind, I'm like, I need to find this place. And so it was the same thing. I had a general idea, but in Wales, everything looks like, it's like Lord of the Rings. Every, even like all the words are like. In that old English style. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you're like, what? and so I, I, I we were, I, I was feeling pressure. Like I'm okay. Especially from my w- wife. I'm like, we're, we're, it's getting dark. <laughs> like, we're still trying to find this, but I was like, okay. She's like, go in that gas station. So I go in the gas station. I went up to somebody. I was like, hey, do you know where this cottage is? And the guy's like, ah, Robert Plant. Yes. And he's like, come with me. And we go out to the backyard and he has a picnic table. We stand up on the picnic table and he points at the top of this mountain. And he's like, you see the tree line and the, uh, the wires up there. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, try, you, go that way. Drive up this driveway. Open this gate. There's going to be a lot of sheep. Don't let the sheep out. Pull your car. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and close the gate. And so I'm like, okay. And then, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I think I got it. And then you just go around. He's like, it's, he's like, one guy owns it or something. And he's like, people go there, you know. And so I was like, okay, so I go. It's, it's exactly as he said. There's sheep, there's all this shit. And I go around the corner and like, it still gives me chills or on a rock. Cause in, in Wales, the houses don't have, um, numbers they just are a name that's what Bronyar is it's the name of a cottage that's a, in the on the back of zeppelin three it says i think they dedicate it to a tiny derelict cottage in wales is what it says uh so on a on white on a rock written in white paint it said Bronyar, and it had an arrow pointed 
And so you go up and you can look online like pictures of it. And it's like this little stone cottage with a blue door and boom, there it is. And it's like, yeah, Led Zeppelin three. I mean, you're looking at it. (laughs) Yeah. Down by the seaside, uh, that acoustic song uh, that's called Bronyar, Bronyar Stomp, you know, Zeppelin three to me, the, 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 still the killer, uh, the ultimate opening song is immigrant song. And when they were doing that tour, when they would open with that, and they would start with this thing called LA drone, which is just essentially like feedback. And then <laughs> yeah, that was, that was always the hype song, like uh, going to play a show in a town I'd never been like right when I was about to hit that skyline, put immigrant song on, oh, and just, okay. just, you know, just get hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I always want to, if I ever meet Robert plant, I always want to ask him and I've been close to Robert plant. Cause uh, that's another whole story, but uh I want to ask him, like, when did you decide just to do, ah, like, actually, like, I'm just going to wail some, like, banshee howl Viking shit over this riff, you know? <laughs> yeah. When did that come to you? Man, it's uh, that, that band, and uh, I'm, not the, I'm not the biggest fans of them. I've, I don't know how they get away with it, but, I mean, even Robert doesn't really mind it, but that Greta Van Fleet, uh, they sound... I mean, if you close your eyes, I remember when I showed my dad uh, a Greta Van Fleet song, uh, I didn't tell him who it was. And he was like, I didn't know uh, Led Zeppelin was making new music. And I was like, that ain't Led Zeppelin. He was like, they sound a little too much like them. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was a, I was back. I have friends that were kind of like trying to sell me on like, but yeah, like, dude, this, it's, you should give it a chance. Cause I'm very, I'm very. <laughs> standoffish when yeah. shit like people tell me that shit i'm like mm, come on but yeah they put it on and i was kind of like okay i get it i can't watch the i i've seen stuff on, or pictures on youtube stuff i'm like i can't <laughs> but I, I get what you mean the records and stuff i, I get it and yeah. robert plant actually did i think he said like have you well at least that's yeah i'm sure that's what they I'm sure their favorite Greta Van Fleet's favorite moment is when Robert Plant said something about them. It was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. I remember there was uh this was right before COVID they were planning that Woodstock and uh, it may have been all hype. It may have been a, a fake lineup, but I saw that, uh, you know, Robert Plant and I can't remember the, uh, the chick that he plays with now. Allison Krauss, uh, Allison Krauss. And uh, they were going to be there and they had booked, Greta Van Fleet on the same day and I was like that y'all did that on purpose if that's true <laughs> oh that's interesting uh-huh. <laughs> but it, it never happened it got canceled uh but I remember like uh man how long have they been trying to uh mimic Woodstock 69 I mean they had shit fest that was a complete disaster with new metal you know you had a uh, I think it might have been DMX's uh, the documentary on it is insane. It looked like DMX had the best show there at Shitfest. It was like where it rained real heavy and everybody thought it was mud, but it was actually the urinals had overflowed. Oh, yeah. There was, there was literal different. shit everywhere. <laughs> Bad experience. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And you had all your new metal bands like Corn and uh, Limp Biscuit, who did it all for the Nookie and all that. And it's just. <laughs> one of the funniest things about Limp Bizkit, there's a thing on YouTube where I think the guy from uh, Insane Clown, Clown Posse comes out and drop kicks the, the lead singer. 
<laughs> and it kind of misses, but it's kind of funny. The whole thing is like, okay, because they're all serious that uh, lead singer of Limp Bizkit's like doing his thing, and this guy comes out of nowhere, like full on launches himself with <laughs> both feet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All y'all listen to this. Definitely YouTube. Limp Biscuit guy gets drop kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I might check that out right when we get done. Oh, uh, what was the uh, what was the Robert Plant story? You said you got real close to meeting him one time. Okay, so one of the coolest things that San Francisco when I moved there is they have this thing called Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, and it's a free festival. And it's it's exactly what it says. It's Hardly Strictly, and I think they kind of I met this guy uh uber driver in san francisco last time he said they're kind of tamping down people like the caliber or or the people who can draw a lot of people like robert plant because it was just getting too crazy like because it's free and it was mm-hmm. like intense like i kind of i got there's a couple years where i kind of had all access and then like backstage and shit like because i had friends playing or whatever and then it makes <laughs> you never go back when you have to just be like ah but um there's one year it was robert plant was playing with this i think it was the space shifters and he was dating for a while he was dating patty griffin oh. uh, from and he lived in austin for a while and erica was around them i think you know they were just around like robert plant would go to the continental and, and hang out so he was there playing and we had friends my friend victoria was there and she knows buddy miller and emilio harris and all these people so we were kind of i had a a backstage pass that year and talk about him like a dude who can come in and like just make people like steve earl and all these people like holy shit robert plants (laughs) i just walked in because he just like he just has that aura yeah totally and john paul jones was there that year John oh, Paul dude. Jones was, was playing with um, this guy, C6 Steve. You ever heard of this guy? I haven't heard of C6. He's from um, Oakland, and I think he lives in Norway now. He did. He's kind of a cool move. Um, American artists, if they can be big in like S- Spain or you know wherever, and they'll just move there. Like, oh, fuck it, I'm famous. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I'll just live here. And so I think he lives. He's just got big. But he's an Oakland dude, an older white dude who plays steel, like lap steel. And yeah. he would play with just a drummer and him. And I think he might have something to do with Easy Eye or Fat Possum or something. But um, anyway, this year, C6 Steve, along with his drummer and him playing lap steel, had John Paul Jones playing bass. And it was... <laughs> fucking badass and so john paul jones is doing that and he was playing mandolin with giant sand but they called it giant giant sand hal galbus like tucson band and so half of led zeppelin was at the festival kind of walking around and that year was especially cool patty smith was there i think the chris robinson brotherhood was there it was just like a really like so anyway we would be sitting on the side of the stage with like buddy miller was playing and all of a sudden robert plant walks in and he stands like right in front of me I have pictures of the back of his head, like if you. <laughs> but I was this close. <laughs> yeah, I was this close. You know, sniffing. No, <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, the Emily Harris always closes out the no- Sunday night. It's always a spiritual thing, 
usually fog is coming in through the eucalyptus trees in Golden Gate Park and Emily Harris takes the stage and it's just a, a thing. And at the end of the night, there's a, a, you know, a backstage tent thing. So everybody's hanging out back there and, and John Paul Jones walks in and he has his mandolin and he takes it out. He's kind of picking it. And it's everybody's like, what the fuck? And, and he, his mandolin has um, his symbol on it. His like little, you know, like Zoso and the feather and all. It has his symbol and mother pearl on the headstock. And on the back of it in iron, it's like a big, his symbol, like a big kind of thing that protects it from your belt, I think, mm-hmm. the wood. But he was hanging out and he just said like afterwards, he said, is anybody going by this hotel? the Vitali or whatever. And um, my wife says, we are. <laughs> I looked at her like, what? And we so <laughs> and he's like, can I get a lift? And we're like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I told him, I was like, well, I'm parked in because uh, there was an app in San Francisco at the time, especially around Golden Gate Park where people could rent their um, driveways. Like, like, cause there was no parking. And so, mm-hmm. so I had rented somebody's driveway. I was like, well, we have to walk through the woods and we're kind of in somebody's driveway. He's like, I could use a good walk. And so anyway, that night concluded with me, Victoria, my wife, and John Paul Jones walking through the woods, getting in our car, our Volkswagen Jetta, and him putting the mandolin in our trunk. And we drive him to his hotel in San Francisco. And, you know, when when we drive away, we're like, what the fuck? You know, like, just yeah. crazy. Man, Lee, for you, especially, like, like one thing we definitely have in common, man. I listen to like Led Zeppelin pretty much every morning on my way to work. And I, we used to have the same thing. It's like, get the lead out and just mm-hmm. to have John Paul Jones in your car and you're just giving him a ride. I was like, it's probably one of those moments is like, I have uh, a million questions, but we're probably just going to talk about the weather. <laughs> I, totally. I mean, I remember my, I was driving, my wife was in the back with him and she kept calling. I remember the only thing I remember she kept calling him John Paul. So John Paul, and he, he said something, I remember, he's like, said something about it's easy to get a good table at a restaurant or something. <laughs> I don't know. He said, because, uh, you know, I am a pretty big fucking rock star. <laughs> <laughs> but I did ask him, I remember I was asking, I was trying to think, like, I asked him if he knew Phil Lesh from the dead. Uh, you know, I, he's like, what do you think all of our all bass players are friends? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I was like... <laughs> But no, he he's like, yeah, I've, I've met him a couple of times. And, you know, it was just it was I didn't take a picture. I didn't do anything. There are some pictures that I've seen from that day where it it proves that I'm not bullshitting. But <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was cool. So, exactly. And what do you say? Yeah, it's uh, to be in like a uh, man, a uh, buddy of mine. He's like, if you could interview like any musician, like let's say you got your favorite musician of all time to come on the show. He's like would you want it that? And I was like, no, I, cause I, I, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good. Like I, I yeah. It totally turns into the, the, the Chris Farley. Like, Hey, remember, remember when you did that? Yeah. This episode of porch talk is also sponsored by manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com and at checkout, use promo code porch talk, all one word porch talk, all one word, receive 20% off your total purchase order and get free shipping. Uh, Manscaped sent me the performance package 4.0 that comes with their beard trimmer, uh, the Weed Whacker, which is for those unsightly ear and nose hairs. 
and then the lawnmower, which is for you downstairs. It also comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Uh, that is for um, that's for your genitalia there, there boys. Uh, it'll keep you from, uh, if you've ever been in the south in the summer, uh, you know a little bit about how it feels down there. And those two wonderful products will uh, help you feeling cool and keep you smelling good so you don't smell like a foot. So... Go to manscaped.com, and if they are the leading company when it comes to men's grooming, they also, the performance package comes with the most comfortable pair of underwear I've ever owned. So if you have never given Manscaped a try, I highly recommend them. You can go to manscaped.com, use Porch Talk as your promo code at checkout, receive 20% off your total purchase order, and uh, man, just look at my beard. If that says anything about them. Should say it all. I got the best beard around. No doubt about it. Now, back to the show. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, this is not going to be fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I interviewed a flat earther one time, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And I just let him go. I didn't really push him. Uh, he, he had this app that he had built, and he was really pushing the app. So, like, Anytime I would ask him about like uh, the curvature of the earth that you can visibly see from an airplane, he was like, if you get my app for five nine nine, uh, the app will tell you why that's BS. And I was like, well, I'm literally looking at it, though. And he's like, yeah, so anyway, about my app. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, people so. just get deep in a rabbit hole, man. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> living there. Out. Oh, well, dude, tell me a little bit more about like your influences uh, with these new projects. Like who, uh, where did the... Uh, even uh, pick a song if you'd like to send me a song. I'll play it at the end of this episode. If if you if you have a song in mind, cool. like t- tell me a little bit about like um, the does music come first? Does, did the lyrics come or yeah, did the lyrics come first? Did you have a melody or you know? So, you- like I mean, the one thing that I come to realize or, or accept as being an artistic person is to really just. Um, I don't know, except my, my gifts and my curses. No, <laughs> but just, I really, uh, I never get scared of like, um, writer's block or anything. I know to, I'm very into like when Tom Petty or whoever says like, I don't know, it's, it's uh, a, like channeling something. I've learned to like lean into that and I know when it's coming or I don't know if it's by chance, like sometimes when I'm like dog tired, but I'm like, I should go pick up my guitar or I should go like hit a little weed and pick up my guitar. And, and sometimes I'm like, I'm glad I did that. Like, and and what's nice about iPhones is you can see they're all, you know, they're all um, dated in time, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can look like, Holy shit. Like all that came that night within an hour like seven songs or something oh it even is, gives you your gps you were sitting at one two one red stone yeah. drive and i was yeah. like I, w- I was at my buddy's house and we were upstairs and you know man i, I had forgotten all about this recording yeah i mean <laughs> that's the that's the i think the greatest as far as being a musician or a songwriter is like this iphone because all the shit that you used to have to do to like capture a moment 
was like kind of hard or you always had to have something, you know, but it's like that, that is the greatest thing. And so I've learned to just, I don't even, I don't even like, I just, I won't even look at it. Like I'll just tape, 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 tape and know that there's something sitting on my phone that I can, like, I'll know that there's certain veins that I can go to and I won't even mess with it until it's time to make a record. Cause I don't want to like think about anything too much or I like that. And I just go and like, but you know, the good thing is to always do it, you know, like lately I've been kind of not because I'm releasing a record and it's, it seems like, so like, like you're blocked until the record's out. Cause you're like, I got to do this. I got to promote this. I got to post mm-hmm. something, you know? And so you kind of just like, and I'm kind of looking forward to just the record coming out, you know? And then like, Oh, I can go back to doing, I mean, the best thing, the best, you know, how it is, is like when you come up with something really cool or in your, that you think is really cool or whatever, that's the best part I think is getting this little thing on your phone and you like, and then to be able to go into a studio and actually kind of make it um, somewhat of how you think it should sound like mm-hmm. that's the next thing, but just getting it is the most important part to me. Well, I thought it was real interesting what you had said earlier about the recording process, like while recording, like during COVID, how like a lot of the songs that they weren't finished yet. And so is that, is that a typical process? Do you go in with like these ideas kind of open it? Do you do that on purpose? So like uh, the people that you're recording with to help them piece it out or like, what's your process on that? Uh, well, so I've always been kind of a band guy. Like I always wanted to play with friends or people I'm on a certain kind of wavelength with, you know, mm-hmm. and or just to know what they do musically or how they are personally, like, and when I did the one before this newest record, we rehearsed our asses off the three of us. It was me on guitar and singing a bass player and a piano player. And we made sure when we came in with like 30 songs, we made sure that we knew what the fuck we were doing, you know, uh, because we're going in to play with a drummer we've never met and Jason, who I was just becoming friendly with. Um, and that record, the way Jason was doing all the engineering, this LA yesterday record, which is, I'm really proud of that record, but he wasn't playing guitar with us. So it was just me playing rhythm guitar, drums, bass, and keyboards. And then he came in and overdubbed all his parts afterwards. This record, we were all live. He just like kind of hit record and went into the room with us. So we're all in the room. I We made the decision to, I was just playing acoustic guitar. So I moved into the vocal isolation booth with my acoustic standing up in a vocal mic everybody calls it the thriller mic that uh it's a a sure whatever it is but it's you it's recognizable when you look at it so i was looking at the band and the especially the drummer just kind of to no endings or whatever but that was how we did this but it's not how i think we should record all the time but i'm also want things to be different from record to record but like yeah this record i and it kind of came back to haunt me because I was like, fuck, I wish I would have finished these lyrics because some of the the um, the live vocals there's on this new record. There are some scratch, like what you would call scratch. Like I recorded them when we were playing, which is rare nowadays, just because of isolation or whatever, that you actually could get that vocal take. You're singing with the band. But there on this record, at least there's at least one. But 
I didn't have the lyrics done. And so you, you were singing the same verse twice or whatever. And you're like, fuck that lyrics. That vocal's really good, but the lyrics are, this, you know, I got to fix them. So that was one of the drawbacks of doing it like this. But so anyway, that's what you to, to your question. That was just unique to this thing, I guess. And that's kind of lends itself to how, when you're listening to it, you're kind of like, I don't know. This is a record that I, I listen to the most, maybe because there's so much improvis- improvisation. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I just enjoy listening to the guys play together. Yeah, um, man. What, uh, what's the name of it? And uh, it's, it's readily available. You just released it, right? It's not out till November 3rd. I've been kind of pulsing out the singles. So there's three songs out. The record's called The Falcon Ate the Flower. Um, that kind of came from uh the one of the records or the song scarlet rivera plays on is called peregrine fly and it, i kind of wrote that around with the idea of um when I, I lived in new york for a minute and i would see these you would hear about that they had these but peregrine falcons i think they put them in there on purpose to control the pigeon population and so they kind of took up uh residence and these skyscrapers and so i would see these things hunting pigeons around and I have the song kind of around, loosely around this Falcon thing. And uh, I didn't write any song um, with the idea of, I didn't know I wouldn't meet Scarlett Rivera. I didn't write anything like, oh, this, I have violin on this. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of pick songs like on the fly, like what would sound good with her? And that was one of them. And um, anyway, right away, she's like, What's, she was asking me all about like, what it's about and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I used to do falconry. I'm like, <laughs> of course you did. Like all, all I can think of her when I see her is how she looked during the Rolling Thunder review. And it was a very mysterious vibe to me. I actually asked her, I was like, did Dylan write a lot of these songs after he met you? Because visually she fit into the lyrically. There's a very gypsy kind of, vibe to that whole record you know i know and what you she mean like yeah. the songs yeah. <laughs> you know and she's like well i think he wrote one more cup of coffee after he met me and i was like oh but anyway she was very into the fat and i was like oh i just gotta kind of anyway the falcon thing and her being on the record kind of sparked like i need to kind of make the record something called that and it was a very peace for such a deadly bird that it's eating a flower was kind of more of a peaceful thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, uh, and so, uh, that's two of them. You said, is there another single that you got out? I, th- I think I just saw you oh. release one like a couple days ago. Yeah. The, the, the last one came out on Friday. It's yeah. called baby. I'm there. It kind of closes out with towards the end of the record. Um, yeah, so there's three that came out, and then those are all on Spotify now, and then the record will come out on the third, and we have a limited uh, vinyl pressed and all that. All that will ship out. You can pre-order it now, but it'll all ship out on the third. And Where do they go to that? Uh, you got a website? Yes, my Instagram, Lee Gallagher on the Hallelujah, uh, website, Lee Gallagher Music. Um, it's all kind of easy to find, I think. Yeah, Right on, dude. Well, Lee, I got uh, three more questions and we'll walk out of the door, man. I really appreciate you uh, giving me an hour of your time. Sure. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, man. So uh, question one is, uh, man, you've done some traveling and gone to see some scenes and like Led Zeppelin three story with the cottage. Uh, where's your <laughs> next, where's your, uh, where's your next adventure, man? Where do you want to go next? Probably down to Mississippi, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. Hit me up when you do. <laughs> I will. Like the, that, that's what I'm, that's what's cool about being back here is the fall, man. The fall is in all its glory happening right now. It is a yeah. beautiful day. And Nothing like driving around in the autumn. Yeah, man, you go. Uh, Tennessee has got some uh, sites, especially on that uh, the east side with um, like Chattanooga, and you get yeah. up there around like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, up around Luke, Lookout Mountain around this time of the year when the leaves are changing. I just went up there. We just went down there for. We just drove down there to just to drive. We like to drive, so we just took a drive down there. But I went up to Lookout Mountain. You know. Um, James Legg. I don't you ever hear that guy. Mm-mm. Look him up. James Legg. He was in a band called the Black Diamond Heavies. And it's just, he's a um, badass singer. He plays the Fender Rhodes and a, a draw and a, with a drummer. Okay. And he's killer. James yeah. Legg, L E G G. He's from Chattanooga. Yeah. I got a buddy in uh, Chattanooga. It's uh, Shake It Like a Caveman. He does the, uh, the one man band to where he's playing his guitar and drums at the same time. He's a madman. And it, it kind of reminded me of like the, uh, the story you were sharing earlier about the guy from Oakland, but is huge in Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in Chattanooga, but he's huge in France. And so like, he'll go to France like two, three times a year. And I was like, you, why haven't you moved yet? <laughs> I want to be big in France. Cause I love to eat, you know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's send your travel around. Just good eating. Oh, uh, well, question two, man, you, and you already plugged it, but I just want to make sure that you plugged it one more time for those listening is uh, ways that people can connect with you and uh, just uh, scoop up your music if they want to purchase it. Uh, you most active on Instagram, you say? Yeah, I would guess. Um, Instagram, as we're leading up to the release, I'm going to start putting more just stuff in the studio stuff, but there's a lit, you know, I have a link tree thing so you can get on all like the band cam selling the vinyl online is primarily through Bandcamp right now. This is like kind of pay what you want kind of deal. But um, yeah. Right on. Well, I'll hop on there today and support it. Oh, last question to walk it out of the door. What was your favorite part of this conversation? Oh man. Well, I just know that I love your knowledge of, of music and of talking about the South. It's cool to be down here because my wife, it's kind of funny because my wife's from Western Kentucky. And so, and she, and you know, as you go around the South, people have different, like there's little, little different pockets of dialects and people have stronger accents or whatever. And she's got a, a pretty thick kind of accent. And, and but I, I, I don't know what I was thinking about. I was somewhere like deep in the South and everybody didn't have an accent. And I was kind of like, Oh, I know what you all, you're all our country. <laughs> <laughs> and so mm-hmm. they live on a farm, you know, and then so she decides to tell her whole family at breakfast. She's like, oh, you know, Lee figured it out, y'all. We're not Southern. We're country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I think uh, they call mine the Alabama pine. Like from where I'm from, I'm on the very southern end of the Appalachian uh, mountain. Okay. And so we're right in pine country. And I think that's what they call that. I don't know what Western Kentucky would be. But I know, well, like, uh, of of all the southern accents, uh, 
a lot of people get the Alabama and Mississippi confused, but I mean, they're right there side by side, but, uh, it's hard to beat a Tennessee bell. I mean, that's about the damn cutest accent I've ever heard. <laughs> that's true. So yeah, I think that's my wife, maybe, <laughs> but, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, have you ever listened to SG Goodman? I have not. She's from, uh, Western Kentucky. And she's the, one of the only people that I've met or listened to her talk. And she sounds like my wife's family. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Western I'll Kentucky. Look, I'll have to see what that is. then. yeah, she, 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 I think, um, uh, the guy from my morning Jack, Jim James recorded her first record, but she's just kind of blowing up. She has the same management, I think as Jason Isbell, um, Tracy Todd. They're, they're great. N- N- national people but um she's stunning it's just like she just played the opry she's a badass and like she'll you listen to her sing you're like oh okay like it's good good plug man yeah Yeah, i'll look that up sg goodman well uh lee i don't have anything else to do anything else you'd like to plug before we go no man we're just going to the holidays i'm gonna release this record i'm playing uh if anybody's in nashville i'm playing on halloween night with some friends at the Bowery Vault off Gallatin Road here in East Nashville. And then we're kind of going to go in the holidays and 2024 is full on what uh, God willing and the creek don't rise. Hallelujah. Rock and roll shows. So here we go. Well, right on brother. Well, Lee, uh, man, I had to get up there. I hate, uh, hate we couldn't do this in person. You'll have to come back on again. I had a good time chatting with you today, man. For sure. It's good to talk to you. And yeah, hit me up afterwards and I'll, I'll send you record, you know, for sure. Right on, brother. Well, take cool. care. Okay, you too. Let's just scratch some lines up. There's enough go around I'm looking hard at leaving I'm searching for the sound Out here in the bluegrass A Sunday on the times I caught you in the middle of something that blurred my life
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.